And I'll read the text, pray, and you can be seated. 1 Timothy 3, 15. But if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. Father, we love you today and pray God you'd help me. Help me to be mindful of you and preach the power of the Holy Ghost. May your will be accomplished as we continue our study on these principles of life, on these, on these 12 studies. Lord, we now in, in study number four on the church. Lord, I just pray God you'd help me to, uh, to give my heart, help me to give your heart on our, the mind of the church, uh, the ministry of the church. Thank God, the master of the church. Lord, I pray God, the management of the church. Lord, I pray we do that for your glory. We love you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. If you find your place on page 39, on page 39 we're studying. As we've studied these, these weeks that's gone by, we're now on week number four. We're studying, dealing with the church. Everything that revolves in the Christian life ought to have something to do with the church. Amen. It should be the nucleus. The church should be the nucleus on which everything else in your life, picture a, picture a bicycle wheel and uh, all these different spokes that go out from that little center hub and that thing rotates and everything, all that wheel, the wheel holds together is based upon that center part of that wheel and the axle, where the axle runs through, where the grease runs through. That's, that's the church. That needs to be the center part of your life. That needs to be everything in your life. So in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 15, the Lord says through Paul, the man of God, writing to the little pastor there in the church of Ephesus, he said, if I tarry long, that thou mayest know, that's your memory verse, how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God. Somebody asked me one time, said, preacher, what, you know, you preach on things. And I said, well, uh, the Bible says, love not the world nor the things that are in the world. The things is what gives you and I trouble. Then they said, well, preacher, that ain't, that ain't what I'm talking about. I quoted that verse. And they said, you're always telling us how we ought to behave. And I said, well, the Bible says how as the church of God, he's telling us in these pastoral epistles how we should behave. God wants his church to behave. He don't want us to act like a bunch of rebellious kids. Y'all ever been to Walmart? Uh, you ever been to Walmart lately? Anybody go to Walmart in Forest City? I don't know, it's a different thing over there, man. I'm telling you, it used to be a safe haven. You go over to Far City now, and uh, you watch kids off the chain. I mean, they are crazy, running up and down the aisle, smacking mama, screaming, hollering. I seen one little kid screaming, pitching a fit for some kind of little candy egg. I don't even know what it was, but I mean pitching a fit. That's kids that don't behave. That brings a shame to the parents. Well, the Lord tells us in Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 1, be therefore followers of God as dear children. Hey, man, we need to be followers of God as dear children. Children that bring credit to our Heavenly Father, not discredit to our Heavenly Father. So he tells us when we're talking about the church, he wants his church to behave. Y'all believe the church ought to behave? Y'all believe youngins ought to behave? I'm telling you what, what got us in a mess listening to Dr. Spock. He should have stayed on Star Trek and left a, a raising the kids somebody else. Somebody say amen. Hey man, them pointed ears didn't help him to have an antenna to heaven. Amen. The church is the pillar and ground of the truth. It is what holds truth up. It is the foundation for truth. If the church behaves as God wants it to behave, we will represent God on this earth and we should be the pillar and ground of the church, of the truth. So we want to learn the importance of the church, what the church is supposed to do. Look when, and uh, the importance of the church. Everybody knows this. It's kind of elementary in some, in some ways, but let's go over it. Born again Christians, the people of God make up the church. Several times in the Bible, I want to read this paragraph. When you see a reference to the church, it's talking about the entire body of believers all over the world. However, most of the time in your King James Bible, when you see the word church mentioned, it is talking about a local church. That local ecclesia, that local called out group. 
that local separated crowd, blood bought, heaven bound with the hammer down. The local assembly of born again, baptized believers. So when, when we see that word church, most of the time, the majority of the time, it's talking about a local church. Let's just, let's show, let's look at a little example. Take your Bible, look in the book of Colossae. Colossians. Look at the church at Colossae. Look at Colossians. Look what the Bible says in verse number one. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy is our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, Colossians 1 verse 2, which are at Colossae. All right, let's look at Philippians. Let's just go back one book. Look at, let's look at Philippians. In the book of Philippians, let's look what it says. Paul and Timothy is the servants of Jesus Christ, chapter 1, verse 1, to all the saints in Christ Jesus which are at Philippi. He's talking to a church at Colossae. He's talking to a church, a local church at Philippi and, and, and so on, all the way by. So when, it, when we're talking in, in Revelations in chapter 2 and 3, he's talking to local churches, literal local churches. Everything that God does, he does to a local church. These television evangelists don't, don't have a local church out of the will of God, not according to the Bible. What, what blows my mind is, is people get on the internet and they'll find all these little people to research after. I don't want to call no names. If I get some liberty, I'll call some names. But, here, you know, you, they, they send money to this crowd. They send money to these people that's not a part of the local church. When I worked at UPS, I worked at UPS and they had this big thing. And their big thing, Jerry, was they wanted to be the top United Way giver. Anybody ever work at a place where you give to the United Way? I mean, it's like a big campaign. I, I didn't give any money to the United Way. Well, you a preacher. I said, that's right. Christians give through the local church. See, I know it makes people a little nervous when I talk like that. Everything that we do should stem or contribute or be a part of the local church. The church is the hub of the wheel. The church is what God has purchased with his own blood. I wouldn't dare go to a building that has a steeple or don't have a steeple that claims to be a church but is ashamed to put the word church on their sign. Uh, the whale, just in case, the whale, the rock, the bridge, the river, the crevice. I don't know. They're going to come up with all kinds of them. I don't, I don't know why. They're ashamed to put the word church. I, if I were you, I'd determine in my mind if something happens to this church, if, if, the, if the church burns to the ground, if the church can't form again into a local place, if we go somewhere else, I, whatever happens on planet earth, you need to make sure you're a part of a local church. A local assembly is, a, is, is made up of born again baptized believers. You can underline that. It's on page 39. That means it is a real church. The church, it is a real church in a geographical location. We've already looked at Colossae. We looked at Philippi, uh, Galatia. Uh, we call, this is the local church. To understand how important that the church is, just take your, take your book, flip it over to page 40. What the, what's, let's see what the Lord thinks about the church. How, how important is the church? Let's look, first of all, you can write this out to the side of that top paragraph. I call this, I call this the expense or the investment of the church. How important is the church, the local church? Not just the church as a whole. Not just the church. Yes, Christ is the head of the church. But not just that, the local church. Because we know in the Bible... The majority of the time is talking about a local church. So Landrum Independent Baptist Church, 200 East Blue Ridge Street in Landrum, South Carolina. The local church, the expense or the investment, okay? Think about it like this. It is the only thing that the Father and the Son, it is the only thing that the Son purchased was the church and he purchased it with what? Is valuable, but if you if you if I had five dollars in my pocket, and I went up here and I said I want 
uh, uh, cheeseburger. Mm, boy, I'm getting a little hungry right now. Cheeseburger with mustard, chili, and onions, and French fries and onion rings, and uh, all that palmetto, and, and, and get me a peanut butter milkshake. And I couldn't get that for $5. I probably couldn't get the milkshake. But let's say I could get it for $5. What do I think is more valuable? The $5 or what I'm wanting for the $5? If I'm giving up the $5, that means I'm thinking more about the peanut butter milkshake, the french fries and onion rings. Would you all agree with that? The most valuable thing in the universe is the blood of Christ. And he gave it for you. I makes cold chills go off. I, I feel like I got cold chills big enough a hog can suck on them right now. I feel like baby pigs coming up here and get on my, I feel like I got goosebumps waving at each other. I, I, God thanks so much of us that he gave the most valuable thing in the universe. If you want to know what God thinks about the church, paragraph, top paragraph, page 40, he sent his son to die for the church. Not just that, that's number one. Number two, he sent the Holy Spirit. Here's the investment. He, spent, he sent the Holy Spirit to the church. Jesus died for the church. The Holy Spirit inhabits the church, individual believers, empowers the church. He gave his word to the church. He's entrusted us with his word. Boy, thank God for that. He commands all believers Hey man, number four, he commands all believers to be baptized to get involved in the local church. That is a local Bible-believing church. The word church in your text, I thought it was 116 times. So the book says 115 times. 115 times. If I counted right, that's right. 115 times church or churches is in your King James Bible. If the Lord put it in there that many times, would y'all think it's important? It's important. He gave his son for the church. The Holy Ghost empowers the church. The word's been entrusted to the church. All Bible-believing, all saved people. Guess what, God? Guess where he puts them at? It's in Luke 10. Y'all know the story of the Good Samaritan? Washes him. Disinfects him, puts the oil in, puts, amen. Washes him with that wine, that disinfectant, that blood. Cleans out that wounds, all his wounds where he's been left half dead. Puts in that oil, the Holy Ghost, amen. Sets him up on his own beast. Gives him, amen, gives him an Uber from heaven. Takes him over to the inn and, and then pays for everything. Says, I'm going to come back. I, I, I bet that old boy's raising up saying, don't leave me, don't leave me. He said he's coming back and he said, I can go back to sleep. Amen. And, and that in that he's entrusted the care of that one he just fetched out of the ditch is a picture of the church. This is where God's people find rest. This is where we find what we need. God's coming back for the church. Would y'all say amen right there? Now, as look at the second paragraph on page 40. It is God's plan for you to be a part of a strong Bible-believing church. Do you all agree with that? So we looked in the first paragraph. I called that the expenses or the investment of the church. I call this second paragraph the expectations of the church. God expects us to be a part of a Bible-believing. Y'all hold your seat. Some people ain't going to agree with this. Baptist church. I believe God wants us to be a part of a... I'll get so specific... Independent, fundamental, premillennial, Bible believing, devil hating, sin preaching, Baptist church. Amen. Glory to God. Jesus walked 40 miles to be baptized by the only Baptist preacher that was around. Amen. Somebody say amen. Amen. That's right. God wants us to be. And here's what the dove said. I like it. Here's what the father said. This is my son whom I'm well pleased. Went to a man of God. Amen. Somebody say amen. Say, preacher, let's get specific. Well, there's reasons why I say that. Write this outside of your book. Put an acronym. So put it all the way over to the right side or the left side of your page. If you put it on the right, bring it all the way over there to that paragraph and write the word B-A-P-T-I-S-T-S. Baptist. 
I want you to write that acronym down. I'm going to get you to fill it in. I've, I've taught on this before, but uh, we say Baptist because Baptists teach and preach the Bible. It, we teach and preach that the Bible is the final authority for all faith and practice. You say, preacher, just hold on a minute, time out. You've mentioned in the pulpit and not too many services gone by about certain Baptist churches that are wrong. I sure have. I'm saying, as a whole, Baptist churches, as a whole, independent Baptist churches, independent fundamental Baptist churches, teach and preach that this King James Bible is the final authority. It doesn't matter what Dr. Phil says. It don't matter what Joel Osteen says. It don't matter if somebody ought to said amen. It don't matter what Oprah Winfrey says if she starts a new one. It don't matter about uh, Ellen Degenerate. It doesn't matter about any of these crowd. What matters is what the Bible says. Would y'all say amen? Now write this down. B-A-P-T-I-S-T-S. -S. I want you to fill this in right here. I'm gonna give. I'm gonna give. Somebody comes up to you, and say, "Preacher, tell me why you're a Baptist." Well, I saved in a missionary, independent missionary Baptist church. I was saved by hearing a Baptist preacher preach. That ain't all. That ain't. That ain't. I begin to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. I realize. If, if, if I thought for one minute there was anything on planet earth that was closer to this Bible, that's what I'd be a part of. But I feel like that we have Jesus went to a man whose last name was not Baptist. He was known as John the Baptist. And, and if, if it was good enough for Jesus to go to John the Baptist, it's good enough for me to go to a Baptist church. But more than that, be stands for biblical authority. If you're a Baptist, you believe in biblical authority. Here's you some Bible verses. You can look them up during your family altar. Matthew 24, 35, 1 Peter 1, 23. We believe as Baptists in biblical authority. A, we believe in the autonomy of the local church. That means Gateway Baptist Church can't tell Landrum Independent Baptist Church how to run their services. Landrum Independent Baptist Church does not tell Gateway Baptist Church how to run their services. Landrum Independent Baptist Church does not talk to, there's not some hierarchy that's over Landrum, over Gateway, over New Freedom, who, who moves preachers in and moves preachers out and tells you how to conduct service. No, that's, that's, that's a whole lot of other denominations that are what they call Protestants. Baptists have never been a part of the Catholic Church. We don't, we never have been a part, let me say it one more time, we never have been a part of the Catholic Church. Bab the church was in existence before Catholicism ever thought about being. Somebody say amen. We say we are Baptists because we believe it's Bible, biblical authority. We believe in the autonomy of the local church. If you want a Bible verse, here's one, Matthew 18. 15 through 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 1 through 8. Priesthood of the believer. As Baptists, that P, we believe in the priesthood of the believer. We don't have to go through some other uh, man dressed like a woman, amen, sitting behind chicken wire who's a sinner too. We don't have to do that. We don't go through man. We don't go through Mary. We don't even go through Moses. We go through the one mediator, and that's the man, Christ Jesus, and all God's people say. What, what did the Bible say in Revelation? Here's your Bible verse. Revelation is chapter number one. Uh, just right on our five, six, and seven. What did the Bible say? He, he loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and hath made us kings and priests. God has made us. Y'all look around, look, y'all pick your head up, look, look to your left, look to your right. Y'all sitting in a group of royal people. Somebody say amen. We sitting around a bunch of folks who don't have to go through other people. We can go straight to the throne room. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We believe in the priest of the believer. Here's your one, 1 Peter 2.5, 1 Peter 2.9, 1 Timothy 2.5. There's just some Bible verses. We believe the T. <coughs> We believe in two church ordinances. We believe 
that it is God-ordained when somebody gets saved, they get fully immersed in baptism pool. We also believe that it is God's will for us to do this in remembrance of Him. And when we take of the Lord's Supper, we're remembering the body that was broke when we eat the bread and the blood that was shed when we drink the juice. Is everybody with me? We don't believe like Catholicism. Catholicism believes that when the priest holds that wafer up, it literally becomes the flesh of Christ and the priest puts it on the tongue and so he makes all of his congregation a bunch of cannibals. That's what, that's, is everybody with me? Martin Luther got under conviction when he saw a wafer that had mold on it and he said, time out. If this is the body of Christ, he's incorruptible. Something ain't right. That's right. Because we do not believe in transubstantiate. We won't even go into all that. We believe in two church ordinances as Baptists. I stands for individual soul liberty. I, let me give you a Bible verse. Romans 14, 5, Romans 14, 12. <clears throat> we believe this, Brother Jared, that God can tell me to take a lap and he don't have to tell you about it. He can tell you to take a lap, he don't have to tell me about it. We believe in the individual right here. Here's what I mean. God instructs me in how I'm to worship and serve him. There's not some lady sitting in the back that does this. I've got a word. For booty. Sell everything you got. Pay the church off. There's certain denominations. I won't deal with that. We believe in the individual soul liberty. Each person has the right to serve and worship God as he sees fit, led by the Holy Ghost. That doesn't mean we come up with our own. It's got to be in the confines of this scripture. Everybody understand that? Wait, wait, here's the next, uh, here's the first S. We believe in the saved baptism membership. You cannot be a member of a Baptist, you're, well, you're not supposed to be a member of a Baptist church unless you're saved. Have people join churches unsaved? Absolutely. But when God opens their eyes, they repent of their sin, get saved. Now they become a member of that church. But the church is not to say, as a certain church down the road, I'm trying to think of the name of it. I can't think of the name of it. I'm glad I can't, really. And uh, they offer uh, Harley's on Father's Day at a raffle ticket. And I used to say, y'all remember, I used to say, we ought to have church that Saturday, all show up that Sunday. One of us will walk away with a Harley. Say amen. And uh, that, that certain church, you know, and I'm not talking about, I'm talking about people who actually went, said they, if, if, we, if we didn't feel like that our uh, blessings were coming our way, they would refund our tithes. But if we started tithing, they would give us a free knife set. Well, let me tell you, all that sounds real fancy. Sounds like you're trying to get a car down at Belts over here in Far City. But it ain't got a thing to do with the church. We're not just trying to get people in to raise the tithes or raise the membership. Or We're not raffling something off. We're not t selling raffle tickets. We're not having bingo, trying to get people to come. No, what we're wanting to do is see folks born again, saved, washed in the blood. Everybody say amen right there. You say, I need some Bible verses. Well, I'm glad you asked. Acts chapter 2, verse number 47. And God added to the church daily such as should be saved. Amen. To the next T in Baptist. Is we believe in the two offices, 1 Timothy chapter 3, that whole chapter. We believe that God calls and ordains a pastor into a church under the leadership of the pastor and the, and the leadership of the church says, hey, I feel like Jared could be a deacon in the land of Independent Baptist Church. We make sure that Jared fits all the qualifications, then the church votes on it. Those are the two offices of the church. There's not elders and all this other stuff. Don't, don't get caught up in that. Elder and overseer and bishop all pertain to a pastor and all God's people said. So what, what kind of, the last S, let me say this one and we'll move on. The last S, Baptist, the last S is separation of church and state. Let me define that. 
Let me define it constitutionally. The state is never to tell the church how to conduct its business. But the church does have the right to influence the state. And we can argue that later on. We do not follow traditions. We base everything we believe on the Bible. That's in the middle of your paragraph, second paragraph, page 40. Many churches use the Bible, then they add traditions, and they add practices, and then they add stuff to it. But Baptists believe the doctrines of truth that are contained in this Bible. We believe in the biblical authority. Amen. And I'll just say this. We, we have people come here for a, a, a long time, I mean like a year, uh, before joining the church. And, uh, hey, I encourage you, be a part of, of a church and join a church. Get involved in a church. So we see the expenses of the church, the expectations God has for the church. Now, here's the involvement. This is your third paragraph. Look, look, I, I put that as C, involvement. The Bible is very clear. It's what the paragraph starts out. God expects faithfulness. Does everybody agree with that? Let's just do a little scenario. Uh, Booty, did you, how many years you work at Michelin? 30. 30 years, okay. What if you laid out four Mondays? Would they fire you? Write you up. We don't write people up. But God writes it down. So I'm, I'm, when I say that, I'm, God wants us faithful. You, you got to think about it like this. If you are a member of a local Bible-believing church and God has placed you in that local church, look in Ephesians 4. He's given you preachers and teachers and evangelists for, uh, for the edifying of the body of Christ, for the work of man, till we all come to the unity of faith. He's wanting us to grow, and God gives us everything we need. So if you're not at the church, not talking about sick, not talking about serving the Lord, but if you're not at that church, you're accountable for every message that comes across the pulpit. Wouldn't you rather be there to hear what you're accountable for? Just think on that for a little bit. God wants us to be faithful. Here's, here's what the Bible said in Psalm 122, verse 1. It's in the bottom of page uh, 40 in your book. I was glad when they said, <laughs> Woo! Hey, do you get happy when it's Wednesday? I used to look forward to Friday because that meant party time on Friday night. Now I still look forward to Friday when I worked at UPS, but it was because two more days and a Sunday. <laughs> oh, man. Here's what I'm saying. People have habits. Get in the habit of showing up to church. Amen. Amen. You need to be there every time doors up. Amen. If the pastor calls for a dog fight, Bring a dog for the fight. If the pastor calls for a, a, a chicken fight, bring a show of chickens. Hey, man, I don't know where you can get your spurs. Ask Nathan. He can probably find you some. Hey, man, get you some spurs if you want to. And uh, whatever your church is doing, you ought to show up. Hey, man, the church God's placed you in will help you if you ain't there. Think about the church as an umbrella. And everybody under the umbrella, God's got grace. If you step outside of that, you're not attached to the local church, you're not a part of the local church, you're not involved in the local church, hey, you're, you're missing out on some grace and some blessings and some growth. Picture this in your mind. You, mean, you know that text over in the book of Hebrews, people that deny the Bible and deny eternal salvation, they like to quote this. They talk about, he uses this word, fall back. Well, here's the idea, to not be in step. So here's what happens. God gives the uh, church on Wednesday night a message about the church. So when Sunday comes around, all the church is right here and the people that missed is right here. They feel disconnected. They, they're out of step. Is everybody with me? And so you, you get what you can and show up to church so you can stay in step Hey, if you're falling behind, get that thing right. Go back and listen to me. Get some help from God. Pray, repent, whatever. If you just laid out, I mean, if you got locked up in jail, you probably got a better excuse than a lot of folks that ain't here. Somebody say amen. But at least be here when you can. Amen. 
be here at the house of God. When I say when you can, that means you, ought, you can ought to be here. So you ought to be here when you can. Somebody say, amen, verse 41, uh, page 41. Number two, not only do we see the importance of the church, let's look at the involvement of the church. I mentioned it a little bit, but let me, let me say a little bit more. Leonard Ravenhill said, great man of God. Anybody know Leonard Ravenhill? Great man of God. Here's what he said. When there's something in the Bible that churches don't like, they call it legalism. Y'all have heard me use that before. I just don't want to get involved in the church because I don't agree with everything that goes on. Well, when, when, when there's something in the Bible that churches don't like, they call it legalism to try to give them an excuse on why they don't do it. And all God's people say it. Hebrews chapter 10, everybody knows this verse. Let's, let's see if you know verse 24. It's the top of your page, page 41. Seth, help me out. And let us consider, what's that last word? That next word starts with a P. To provoke unto love and the good works. Now it says, verse 25, not forsaking. Did y'all, I mean, you can look this up later, but sometimes God puts a sentence in the English language and switches the sentence structure. I ain't got time to deal with it, but you ought to check it out. Not forsaking. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more. Does, do you think God wants you to attend church? That's, my, that's number one. And that's in that first paragraph. Nothing should hinder you from being faithful. You said, preacher, I feel like you're reiterating what you already said. I know. And I think it ought to be reiterated because it's amazing we can be more faithful to the job and fuss about it and gus about it and ought to thank God we even got one and, and hey man, then we are to church and we're more faithful to family reunions than we are to church and we're more faithful to ball games than we are to church. Somebody say amen. Amen. It's getting football time. We're going to see where everybody's at spiritually now. Attending church. Nothing should hinder you from coming to church. Now, y'all, 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 I'm, I'm just reading now the book, page 41. Look what that paragraph says. Boy, hey, man, I'm so glad he put that in there. Church attendance is more important than, say it out loud, school functions. Y'all with me? Third sentence, paragraph. Church attendance is more important than... School functions than, job functions than, than, and a host of other things. Who? Satan will put in your path to what? Hinder your church tennis. Oh, man. I'm going to tell you what you ought to do. You ought to just go ahead and draw a line in the sand tonight. I'm deciding tonight I'm going to be at church for everything. Amen. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse number 46. According to Acts chapter number 2 and verse number 46, they went to church every single day. I had a real, you know, trying to think of a, a, a sweet term. Um, I had a guy that used to come to church, and he came up to me one time and said, I think I'll just go to church every day. I said, well, that sounds, man, I almost... Called his name. I shouldn't do that. I said, that sounds real good. Except you ain't here a third of the time anyway. Somebody ought to say amen. Everybody thinks that. Hey, I think we'll just take on six more missionaries. And he don't even give to one missionary. I tell you what I think we ought to do. I think we ought to just come to church every day. Well, that'd be good because you be the only, you ain't even showing up for when we have in church. So we're only having church. You figure it up. If we owe God 10%, let's just say if we tithe our time, that's two hours and 40 minutes a day. Everybody with me? Anybody need to repent yet? I'll just go ahead and tell you. 
Anybody want to crawl up underneath the piano yet? How many, how many, how many, how many days a week? For seven days in a week? How many days is that? Let, let's just say this. Can we give God at least Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and visitation every once in a while? Can we just do that? Here, here's what I'm thinking. Here, here's how to kill a church. Number one, don't sow win. Number two, criticize leaders. Number three, you won't find this in your notes. Attend services when you feel like it. Number four, refuse to volunteer. Five, neglect the young people. Complain, number six, they complain more than you encourage. Here's another. Stop taking the Bible seriously. Here's another. Value your own personal preference over being at the house of God. Amen. I believe God wants us to attend church and all God's people say. Look at the next paragraph. Here's what I call worshiping and praising at church. Not only attending church, but worshiping and praising at church. The main reason the church, God gave the church to the people was to provide a place for them to worship. Worship God is an opportunity. It's a joy. Hey, man. Hallelujah. Hey, man, God loves to be worshiped and born-again believers love to worship God. Folks that are saved love to go to church. If, if you hate church, I, I meet people like this. Uh, man, I tell you what, I, I just, I'm, uh, hey, I'm here, man, I'm here. Hey, man, I call them Mr. Grumblebottom and Nancy the naysayer. I, they always negative about everything. Always ain't got nothing good to say. Man, if I was that miserable, I wouldn't even talk. I wouldn't even let nobody know. Just don't, nobody likes being around that kind of stuff. Amen. You'll be excited to be at church. You ought to get out and ought to hear your transmission every once in a while. You know, just trying to catch up the part. And door ought to be open. You ought to be ready to come in the house of God. Amen. We'll be excited to be at the house of God. Amen. And we'll come in. Why? Because this is where we get to worship God. Amen. You ought to worship God out there in the yard. Sure. You worship God out there in the pine thicket. Sure. You worship God going down the road. But the church is a place where, amen, set aside for we can worship and praise the living God. Amen. I tell you what, we, we ought to be big on worship and big on praise. Amen. You'll hear me preach a lot about worship and a lot about praise because I think that's what we ought to do. He desires people to worship him in spirit and truth. That's what that next verse says. Amen. Or, amen. John 4, 23. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father. In spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship him. Not only the attending of the church, the worshiping of the church. Number three, at the bottom of the paragraph, the giving to, and the support of the local church. It is essential. Well, I've already mentioned it, but let me say. It is a central part of God's plan for you, everybody in this building, to fund the local church. We shouldn't have to have businesses sponsor the church. Now, if we got a Christian school and you wanted to raise money, uh, take sixth graders to Dollywood, hey, I might be, I, that's fine. But we should not have to, I'd rather see this church shut than us have to have a cakewalk and an auction and a car washing to pay the bills. Amen, that's right. And if God's people are given God's way, amen, then there won't be no need. Somebody say amen. Believers cannot, we can't expect unbelievers to pay for the word of God. Now, I'm all, I'm all for that crowd that, that's, that's lost and, and they want to give to a local church. Sure, bring it on in here. We'll pay the church off. Said, preacher, that's kind of weird. No, it ain't weird. Devil's crowd's had it long enough anyway. Amen. I wish somebody would out yonder that don't go to this church. I wish they'd win that so many million dollar lottery and just come in. We build new fellowship hall. You say, preacher, why? Sure. 
I'd sure take it, absolutely. You know why? Because the devil's crowd's had it long enough. But I'm, but I'm gonna be honest with you, that ain't how God's church is taken care of. That ain't how the bills get paid. I'm gonna be honest with you, that shouldn't even have to happen. The truth is, born again, believers support and fund everything that goes on at the local church. And, and that's the way it is. That's the way it is. And, and if you hit the lottery, you shouldn't be gambling anyway. But if you, hey, the folks that crucified Jesus gambled. You, you want to be associated with that crowd? I don't want to be associated with that crowd. And, and for you to win, a multitude's got to lose. So you're being covetous over there and hurting somebody else to help you. Is everybody okay? There's a whole lot of reasons why we shouldn't be gambling. But, I'm, but if you find a ticket in Landrum parking lot and it's a winner, tithe on it. As long as you don't buy it. It'd be hard to explain that you didn't, you know, but hey, it's happened before. Hey, man, I know people that stole one away. They said they won. It is essential. It is essential for believers to support. It is a responsibility. Look over at your next page, page 42. It is, it is our job as Christians to give. If God's blessed you with a job and money and blessed you with money in the bank, he expects you to supply the need of the church. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. You ought to put a little smiley face outside there on your book. Put a little smiley face. Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him... Give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful. What kind of giver does he like? What kind of giver does he loveth? A cheerful giver. Preacher, I just can't give my tithes this week. I'm not cheerful about it. I said, man, you double wrong. At least give it if you're mad about it. You'll be half right. God wants you to give it. But he wants you to get to the place you give it with a cheerful heart. Amen. See how quiet it gets right there. That ain't going to change my mind. I'm still going to preach it. He's purchased, he's purchased the church with his own blood. Amen. We belong to him. We've been bought with a price. He did everything that he did because he loved us. He built us a mansion in glory. If we love God and obey his word, we'll help the church, fund the church, be faithful to support the church and all God's people say it. If you are God robber, if you are robbing God, if you're stealing your tithe, if you're stealing what you should be giving God, God's gonna, it's gonna catch up with you. My pastor used to say it like this, you gonna pay that tithe some way or another be better off to pay it down at the house of God. Amen. Supporting the church, attending church, loving the church, supporting the church, being involved. But, but look at the last paragraph. Working in the local church. In the Old Testament, God used Israel to reach the world. He came into his own, his own received him not. He says in Matthew 16, it's in that verse, upon this rock, talking about his incarnation, his body, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It feels like at times the church is going down, but I promise you the church is going to go up. It will survive. Amen. God has used the local church. Individual believers are ambassadors. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through, I think it's 21. He's called us to be ambassadors. We represent another country. We are representatives of Christ. The way we talk, the world thinks, all Christians talk like that. The way we act, the world says, everybody that's a Christian acts that way. If you don't believe me, go over there to Russia and, and go to the embassy and look at the ambassador. Everybody around him or knows him, they, however he acts, however he talks, however he conducts himself, they think everybody in America acts the same way. So when the world and we're ambassadors and we're representing heaven's country and we're representing the Lamb of God and the local church, when we're out there, if the world sees us and it brings a bad taste in their mouth or a bad testimony, then I ask you, what kind of ambassador are we being? God now works through individuals in the local church to reach this world. Do y'all agree with that? Look at page 43. 
Amen. Look at page 43. Look at page 43, Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. Everybody knows this verse. How about quoting it for me, Seth? Matthew chapter 28. And verse number 18 through 20. Matthew 28, verse 18 through 20. Everybody say it out loud on page 43. And saying, all what? It's given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye, teach all nations, baptize them by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to all things whatsoever I have. And lo, I'm with you always, even under the end of the world. We should be working and busy and laboring in the local church. Every born again Christian should be doing something in the local church. Let me just give you a little example. And I'm not trying to point nobody out. It's just a reality. I don't think we think sometimes about what goes on so that we can have church. Example. Somebody gives tithes so that the lights are on when we get down to church. Somebody gives tithes, gifts, so that the gas bill is paid and it's warm when we come to church. That money also helps take care of the machinery that makes all that work. But more than that, that's why we don't let no food, nothing but water, come in the sanctuary no more. Because it started looking like a trash bin around here. Candy wrappers, chewing gum, writing on hymn books should never go on in a church. Somebody say amen. You should be able to look in the Bible and they're sitting in the pew and, not, and be able to find what the pastor says to turn to and not be trying to figure out what's going on because somebody's ripped a page out of the Bible. But, but, but more than that, you ever thought about this? Have I, ever, have I ever picked a broom up? Have I ever picked a piece of trash up? Have I ever changed a light bulb? Have I ever picked up a pine cone? More than that, have I ever handed out a track? Simply trying, what can I do? Stand at the back door. I would to God that we have people that would open the door for people, smile, welcome to come in when they go out, do the same thing. I wanted as the pastor to stay back here and let anybody that wanted to to come up. I, I hate sometimes feel like I'm a traffic jam guy back there, but I feel like I have to because we don't, what well, preacher, you ain't asked me. Well, why would I have to ask you? And then, and then uh, we say, what can I do? What can I do? Well, I mean, sometimes I'm going up here to get a visitor card because somebody ain't got a visitor card. Well, preacher, you ain't asked me, why should I have to ask? What I'm saying is, look for an opportunity to get involved and don't, hey, jump in and do some. Hand tracks. Hey, man, pick up books. Straighten up the choir books. There's paper right there right now driving me nuts. I mean, that, they, that light bulb out there was out four weeks. I, I mean, think about what's going on. How can I do something to be involved? Don't wait for somebody to say, I need you. I'm going to give you the title of that. Hey, don't. You're the divine orchestrated light bulb changer. Just wait. Jump in. Get involved. Hey, man, do something. Young ladies, y'all look up in here at your preacher. These older women shouldn't have to wipe them tables in the fellowship hall. And all God's people said, Amen. Cook. Bring something to church. We shouldn't have to have five women make everything to say. Now I know we don't. We got a lot of people that cook around here. I'm making a point that younger generations, we they y'all need to start stepping up. Hey, daddy had me picking up blocks at five years old on a job site. If you don't, ask, don't believe me, ask him Al Shadow. He's seen me do it many times. A lot of folks around here are saying, here's what I'm saying. Be a part of what's going on down at church. Get involved. Preacher, what can I do? Hey, I want you to do anything and everything that you think needs to be done. You're that person. 
Here, I meet a lot of people that says, you know, preacher, we really need to, we really need to A, B, C. I said, you know what? You're exactly right. I want you to be a, would you do that A, B, C? Well, hey, I mean, ah, 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 you, hey, ah, ah, ah. All of a sudden, they got a big thing in their throat. <laughs> you need a cough drop? I mean, what? Here, everybody knows everybody else needs to do. But if we'll all just do a little bit, everything will get done. And all God's people said. Notice what the Bible says. In 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 14. Y'all flip over there with me. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 14. First Corinthians 16 and verse number 14. Notice this, man, it's, so here God, the Holy Ghost has inspired Paul to write to the most carnal church in the Bible. You know what this church is known for? This church is known for a, a whole lot of things, but let me just point one thing out. Sin that is unnamed among the Gentiles. That a daughter-in-law would, sl would sleep. I don't even want to talk about it. They're known for sexual perverted sins. So here, here, here's what I'm saying. God tells the most carnal church in the New Testament. Look, look what he says. 1 Corinthians 16 verse 14. You, you there, Jared? All right, say it with me. Let all your, say it, say it real loud. Let's go slow. Let all your be done with. I beseech you, brethren, you know the house of Stephanos, that it, it is the first fruits of Achaia, that they have, watch this, have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. What can I do, preacher? I'll tell you what you can do. It's, well, let's just look over here. It's right here. Let's look at verse 16. That ye blank yourselves unto such and to everyone that helpeth with us and, say it again. I am, is that E-T-H on that word? I am glad of the company of Stephanus and Fortunus, Achaeus, for that which was lacking on your part, they have supplied. When somebody wasn't doing what they were supposed to do, no worries, somebody else was. For they have blank my spirit and yours. They have what? Therefore, acknowledge ye them that are such. Let me, let me just say, preacher, okay, you've mentioned all this stuff. What else? What can I do? Here's your job. Be a refresher. Preacher, how can I do that? Well, look look at this paragraph. I love this. I don't know how many they are. I, I got seven things, I believe. Church has to be clean. Property needs to be maintained. Amen. The elderly need to be visited. The sick need prayers. Well, I just ain't up to visiting. Well, who died and made you better than everybody else? Preacher, that's your job. Whoa, 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 time out. Let's go back to Acts chapter 2. Let's go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, amen. There was a problem. Some of them widows felt like they were being neglected. And I, I'm going to tell you what they did. Now, you got to think about They had a big group there. They had 3,000 plus. We know 3,000. Somebody was being neglected. So they got seven deacons taking care of 3,000 different needs, needs to be met, minister to be taken care of so that the man of God can have time. What's, what's the Bible say? Prayer, preaching. Now, I'm, I'm just saying, it ain't just, it's everybody's job to visit. If you know sister so-and-so's over there, one of you ladies go see her. Amen. I tell somebody one time, I said, Preacher, you know, I had a guy tell me this. He said, I just, I, I, I want to join you. I wouldn't, I, man, I, I ain't going to tell you his name. But he goes to a good church right down the road. 
and, and they allowed him to do what he come to me as. He said, Preacher, you know, he said, man, I have been a deacon for 40 years. And he said, I, I'm looking forward to come over here. I, I'm going to be one of your deacons. I said, no, you ain't going to be one of our deacons. Deacons are picked by the local church. Just cause you as a deacon back in 14 other churches and you've hopped from one to the other, and, and, and I'm not talking about leave for biblical reasons. There's a time to leave church. I'm going to tell you what, I wouldn't stay in a church that was dead. That'd be the number one reason for me to leave a church. I'm going to tell you what I'd do. Hey, man, I told my mama, I told Mama Cal before she left. I said, Mama Cal, won't you just come over here? You talk about wanting to be over here. Karen wants to be over here. Won't you just come over here? Well, your Papa Troy's buried up there. I said, dig him up. Amen. We'll bury him at the house. Yeah. Somebody say Amen. Amen. Don't stay somewhere dead. Amen. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Listen, you say, preacher, what can I do? Greet visitors. Call people. Send them a card. You wouldn't believe what one card, Miss Connie ain't able to make it. She's sick. She ain't able to make it. You know what her Sunday school always, Miss Connie's Sunday school class always makes, makes Scott. How much? Just give me, give me about a 60-second testimony of what it meant to have them cars. That's just one example. So if Miss Connie's out next time, why don't somebody write her car? Uh, you, you follow what I'm saying? Here's what we used to do. Miss Rhonda used to do this, and she's not able to do it. Here's what we did. We expect, and, and I don't know that we ain't got some things wrong. I don't know until we can fully take care of our own personal missions, if we need to be doing missions all over the place. I, I don't Man, I want to be a mission-minded church. I do know it's God's will for us to be missionary-minded church. Y'all agree with that? Say amen. But you know what we did? we started doing? I used to have Miss Rhonda. We expect these missionaries to write us, write us a letter every single month. If you don't do it, we're cutting your support. Or if you don't send us one every three months, <clears throat> why? How many times have we wrote them? You know what would be a blessing for some of y'all young people to go out there and get the address, to find Miss Michelle and get the address. I'd like to write Nathan Kirkman and just let him know that uh, we're thinking about him over here. You ain't got to send him a dime because I'm going to tell you what, that letter, that card will mean more than anything. Seth, am I right? When you're out there in basic training, how much did it mean to get a letter? Man, ain't nothing like it to know that somebody has took the time. I mean, yeah, I mean, great. Send them a text. Bless your heart. But it takes time to write two sentences with your hand, stick it in an envelope, and put a stamp on it. Well, we're in 2022, preacher. Well, I know. That's why we got fancy little Miss You at Church cards. Miss Anna's got a stack of them that big. I'll get you some. If you want some, just let them know. Here's what I'm saying. If you want to have something to do, how about just be a refresher? How about being an inviter? How about being an encourager? How about just showing up? Hey, you know what the Bible says? You know what the Bible says, brother? Guess how you can encourage everybody? Y'all doing it right now. Showing up to church. And so much the more as you see the day approaching. See, people don't think it's real. It's real. I don't know if y'all really, let, let me just take a little, let me take a little few minute prophecy break. Ukraine feeds the majority, well, the majority of the grain comes out of Ukraine. But that ain't all. Why is Russia, who's 
biggest recipient of oil is China. Trine, whose country is the largest, spans all the way to over to Asia. Are you, go, y'all, from Europe to, are y'all with me? Why are they trying to pick on Ukraine? Because underneath their ground is everything that China and Russia would need to make all the nuclear bombs they want. There's a whole lot. You say, preacher, well, and, and listen, the oil crisis and all that, the best thing we ever did, I'm not saying I'm advocating for everything he did, but the best thing that ever happened was a few years ago when we were all independent and we didn't need oil from nobody. But what they're fixing to find out is the largest oil reserve they've not even tapped into. And you know where it's at? Right underneath Israel. And and when they realize that what they're longing for is right underneath Israel, all those Muslim states are going to make an alliance with Russia and China. What I'm saying is it's playing out before our eyes. We're on the brink of Superman. Hey, man. That means just a few years later, we're coming back like the Lone Ranger. <laughs> hey, man, I'm telling you, we're getting out of here. Are y'all ready? Y'all better be ready. I'm telling you, we're, we're, we're checking out. Until then, let's strengthen each other. Let's encourage one another. And so much the more as we see the day approaching. Look in the bottom of page 44 in your books. I'll just read this because I think it's good. You never know when a word of encouragement will be just what somebody needs to help them keep serving God. How many of you, just by lifted hands, when you were discouraged or hurting, somebody just happened to say the right words? Maybe just shook shook your hand. Maybe just text you, said they're thinking about you. But how many of you have been at a place where you needed that and you got it? Anybody? Well, I know I have. I lift both hands. You be that person. Look at Ecclesiastes 4, verse 9. Everybody, everybody can, you, can you flip there? Is anybody there? Anybody knows what it says? All right, says, help me out. Uh, two are them one, and because they have a good reward, wait, what? You think God's going to be beholden anybody? God is not going to forget anything that you've done. If you gave a cup of water, guess what kind of prophet you If you gave a cup of water in the name of a prophet to a man of God to help him, encourage him as he keeps preaching the Bible, guess what? You're going to get the same reward he got even though you've never preached a message in your life. Because we support those who are, we'll get the same reward and all. Amen. That's why there's no big eyes and little you. Let's look at page 45 in your book. For if they fall, still in Ecclesiastes 4, if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him that is, what does it say? Man. When he falleth, for he hath not another to. It is God's will for Christians to be busy. You know what God told us to do as his disciples? You know what he told them at the, you know what he told them, uh, amen, at the tomb? Go tell. You know what he said in the Great Commission? Go ye therefore. God gave you a reason to go, therefore you ought to go. You know what Isaiah, when he saw the Lord high and lifted up, went in there and worshiped, had his mind on the wrong king, got his mind on the right king. Hey man, started pointing everybody's woes out. Then saw himself, when he saw God, he saw his own woes. And he said, whoa, it's me. And the Lord said, lo, here's a cleansing on your lips. And then God said, go. God wants us to go. He wants us to be busy. Here, here's what we're going to do. We're going to, Dwayne and, and uh, amen. Miss Michelle is going to be sending out uh, in your books that that further study. But let's let's go over the student activity. Search the scriptures. Check off these supporting scriptures as you carefully read each one. I hope you'll take a picture of that. I hope you'll do it. Lesson highlights. A real church is a real geographical location is called the Jesus died for the 
How many times do you see the word church or churches in the Bible? God expects getting in habit, verse uh, number five, get in the habit of being faithful to support the local church with your, with your what? Amen. Nothing should you from being faithful. God loves to be a, God loves to be by who? Jesus has purchased us with his own. Right now, God is using the church to reach the, you can have a ministry of encouragement, refreshing. Be that refresher in your local church. Be that encourager. Brother Jerry closes in a word of prayer.